I post all our messages on, uh, we have a, 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 I don't know, it's not a podcast, but something that messages get posted on. So if you just Google RUF New Mexico State messages or something, wherever, you know, you can look at them on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever, they're there. So if you miss a week and you want to get it, I get most of them on there. So uh, it's great to see you all tonight. I uh, hope you all are well. hope you've had a good week. Um, we're at RUF, we're a Christian community on campus. We're trying to find a way and a place for students to survive college, endure college, but also thrive in college and get to know the God of the Bible, um, get to know their peers, a uh, place where you can serve your peers and be served by your peers um, and be a service to our community, our campus. Again, we've got our blessing bag thing. So yeah, do, do uh, participate in that if you can. Um, bring, bring something is better than nothing. You know, we'll, we'll keep reminding you on Instagram and all that so that you can... Uh, I know that's a big ask, but um, we're, we're going to try and bless those who are less fortunate, less privileged than we are, and then we'll, we'll buy pizza and put these bags together and have a good time doing that. So um, tonight we are going to press on in our study. We've been working through the Minor Prophets. If you've been with us, the Minor Prophets are a, a section of books which is actually about the same size as the New Testament. It's pretty big, but none of us read it because it feels really inaccessible, and it's kind of hard to read sometimes, and we're like, I don't know what to do with this. And so trying to peel back the layers a little bit over this, uh, the first half of this semester. And tonight we are going to look at the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah. So um, Jonah is a minor prophet that probably most of us that grew up in a church context are most familiar with because uh, of Sunday school lessons. You probably know if you grew up in a Christian home. What happens to Jonah? He gets swallowed by a giant fish, right? And then he gets vomited back up. And even my little daughter, Phoebe, right now she wants to read this little storybook Bible that we have. And she always wants to read about the big fish. So we're just, even now, she's part of the, part of the thing. So, um, you know, she, she, she thinks it's really funny. So uh, aside from the big fish, there is so much more happening in Jonah than a dude getting swallowed by a fish. And uh, we could honestly spend a whole semester on Jonah. Uh, I, I know different RUFs around the country that will spend the entire semester on four chapters of the Bible because this thing is loaded with, with material. And um, so I am going to just be able to skim off the surface of a very, of one idea in tonight. Um, and tonight what we're going to do is we're going to reflect on kind of the big message of Jonah, which is God's boundless compassion for us and for them. God's boundless compassion for us and for them and how we respond to that. So studying Jonah, it leads us, at least led me the last week on this emotional and spiritual kind of cyclical journey of studying God's character and actions, which then makes me reflect on myself, which then leads me back to studying God's character and actions, which leads me back to reflecting on myself. And, and I hope that you get kind of caught in that cycle a little bit, just a little piece of that, of causes us to reflect on ourselves and back to God. And, and uh, Jonah helps us to do that, I think, by three, three what I'll call study movements, just study ways that that cycle happens by show, in showing us God's boundless compassion. First, it's knowing the scene, the scene of what's going on in Jonah. Second is reflecting on God, and third is reflecting on us. So first we're going to look at the scene and reflect on God in the book of Jonah, and we're going to reflect on us. Um, as I'm up here <clears throat> speaking, if you have questions, 
something sounds off or confusing, shoot me a text. My phone number is on your little piece of paper, and I will respond, maybe not answer, but at least respond anonymously. Oh, I forgot to mention, somebody texted two weeks ago if Daniel is a minor prophet, and I said it is, and I was wrong. It is not. So, Daniel's not a minor prophet, it is a major prophet. So, uh, I will do research if I don't know the answer. All right, so uh, I'm going to read our text and then we will dig in. So just a small text tonight. I'll try to set the scene after this, but we'll read it real quick. On your paper, it says this, When God saw what they, that is the Ninevites, did, that is how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. For one, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, is this not... Is not this what I said when I had, was yet in my country? That this is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and resent, relenting of disaster. Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Let's pray. Father, um, just a tiny little piece here that's uh, full of nuggets, full of your goodness. We pray that as we study it for the next few minutes that you would hold our hands, hold our hearts as a community, as individuals, and help us to see Jesus, to love and follow him, and to love and follow our neighbor. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so big idea to see here tonight is that Jonah shows us the boundless compassion of God for us and for them. Three ways, three scenes, three movements that we're going to try and look at that in. First, we're going to set the scene. Then we're going to reflect on God. And third, we're going to reflect on us. So let's set the scene. Some of you probably know this better than others of you. Um, but this, some of it may be foreign for you. So Jonah is a, uh, he, he's an Israelite man, right? You, if you have a Bible, you can look to the very beginning. Uh, he is, uh, the name Jonah is an Israelite name. And uh, so there's a whole lot in that we'll look at in just a second. But God comes to Jonah and says, hey, I want you to go to Nineveh and call out to them or prophesy to them to turn from their wickedness, from their evil. Right now, Nineveh is the capital or was the capital of the Assyrian Empire, the Assyrian nation. Right. And the Assyrians are the arch rivals to the Israelites. Like, they're the big bad guys, politically, socially, theologically, everything that Assyria is, Israel is not. And Assyria represents a huge threat in every way to Israel. And in fact, Israel was consist I mean, Assyria was consistently launching military attacks against Israel, and ultimately one of them would be successful and destroy the, 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 at least the ten northern tribes of Israel. So... The equivalent to the Assyrians for us would be like a nation like China or North Korea. And, and, you know, so it represents that same sort of military, cultural, and political threat. Now, what I'm not saying is that America is Israel. I'm just saying that that's what it felt like. That's what it felt like when God tells Jonah, go to, Assyr to Nineveh. Go to Assyria. Go to Nineveh. He's like... No, I'm not going to them. They're not like me. They're going to attack me next year. They're probably going to wipe my house out. I'm not going there. So Jonah, you know the story, probably rebels against God's command and flees in the opposite direction. 
He gets on a boat and sails into the Mediterranean Sea and goes the opposite way, right? And God is quite frustrated with this, is angry at Jonah, and so he causes a great storm to blow up. And it's such a storm that the boat starts to sink. And so the sailors on the boat begin to discern, and you can read the story, that, oh, wow, Jonah's the cause of all this. We need to get rid of him. So they throw him overboard. And God causes this giant fish to swallow Jonah, and he ultimately spends three days inside this fish, right? And uh, he kind of has this semi-come-to-Jesus moment, in this in the fish where he prays and he's like boy i blew it god's gonna save me i think ultimately and um but he's ultimately not really changed but anyways god does have some mercy on him and he causes the fish to vomit jonah up and he gives him a second command he says hey go to nineveh and jonah says fine i'll go and so he goes to nineveh and he uh, he call he, he tells nineveh hey turn from your wickedness or god's going to destroy the city and you get the idea that Jonah's kind of like, I hope you don't. But they do. They do turn from their wickedness. The text tells us that, they, that, they, that, that to a man, from the poorest to the king, everybody goes into a state of mourning and saying, God, please don't destroy us. Please don't bring disaster on us. And that's where we pick up our story. So verse 10, verse 310 says, When God saw what they did, the Ninevites, how they had turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. So here we have God not bringing the evil on them. And what happens? Jonah gets really mad at God. He says, God, why did you do that? Why did you, why did you not do what you were supposed to do? You're the, you're, you're the God who's supposed to be Israel's God and not the Assyrian. You're not supposed to like them. And jo- Jonah gets all mad about it. And so this is, this is setting the scene. This sets the scene for what's going on theologically and emotionally in the book of Jonah. And this is where I want us to start reflecting on, first, God's compassion. God's compassion, it's all over Jonah, is that God is full of abounding in compassion or pity. First, I want us to notice that the, God, the compassion that God has towards Jonah First, notice Jonah rebels against God for, from the very get-go. God comes to Jonah and says, hey, go to Nineveh. And Jonah has the responsibility as an Israelite who he follows God, and God is his king, his lord, to say, okay, I will go. And instead he does the exact opposite. He goes and runs as far as he can the other way. He explicitly denies, disobeys. And, so, and yet in that, first, God does not kill him. God had every right to say, you disobeyed me. You did exactly what I told you not to do. And so, but he, he, he causes this storm, and then he brings peace to the storm. We'll look at that a bit. He causes this fish to swallow Jonah up. I can't go into all the details, but the text is very explicit in chapter 2 that God causes the fish to swallow him, and that the fish is a tool or a means that God is using to show Jonah compassion and his steadfast love. If you look at chapter 2, the very end, he says, he talks about God's steadfast love and the salvation that comes from the Lord. So while the Jonah's in the stomach's fish, he's praying and he's tilling in his own heart and his mind. He's recognizing that even though he is disobeying God explicitly, God is compassionate, gentle, and merciful to him. So right off the bat, God is disposed towards someone who's disobedient, at least, in mercy 
in compassion and in pity. But the text goes on. Jonah goes to Nineveh and he preaches. He gets, and, 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 and Nineveh repents. But then he still hopes that God will destroy the city. In verse 5, which is not on your, uh, on your printout, but he goes out and gets on a mountain. He looks out over the city and he says, I'm going to watch the fireworks. I'm going to watch God destroy this city. And God, and, but, but while he's watching, uh, this hot desert wind comes up and is about to destroy Jonah. So here is Jonah being stubborn, proud, malevolent against the Ninevites, being just kind of an all-around loser. And, uh, and God is still gentle to him. He causes this plant to come up and bring shade over Jonah. So here is Jonah. When Jonah is about to drown because of his stubborn pride, too much water that he can possibly handle, God is merciful to him. And here he is in the desert where no water is. He's about to die because he's parched in a desert sandstorm. God causes shade and sustains and keeps him from dying in the desert heat because of his stubborn pride. So in both moments of Jonah's stubborn rejection of God, one with a lot of water, one with no water, God is merciful and compassionate to Jonah. And here's the point. God is compassionate with his children, even when they're at their worst. God is compassionate with his children, even when they're at their worst. Often the Bible talks about God like a good father. And some of you can relate your dad to a good father, and some of you have to contrast your dad with a good father. But God is a good father in the Bible, and a good father knows how to love his children, even when his children are being little butts. (laughs) That's what a good dad does, right? And I'm not always a good dad. In fact, just today, just today, (laughs) uh, my daughter, she got up up and looked, Daddy, there's snow. I was like, there's snow, Phoebe. She said, I want to go out. And I was like, okay, I don't know why I picked this fight. But I did. I said, you need to put your snow boots on, even though it was a half an inch of snow. And she hates new shoes. My daughter hates new shoes. And so I was like, you got to put your boots on. She says, no. And just goes into this scream fest about not wanting to put her boots on. But she does want to go outside. She doesn't want to wear her boots. She doesn't want to put her jacket on. She gets in this tizzy, and I like pick her up, and I take her outside, and I put her down. I'm like, snow! And, like, and she's ah! It's bad. And she says, Daddy, I don't want... And I got mad, and I just picked her up, and I put her inside, and I said, Caroline, it's your problem. And uh, it's just... God is not like that with us. Like, when we're at our most temperamental, stubborn... Be in butts in the presence of our Father. When we're pouty, when we're disobedient, when we're disrespectful, everything that Jonah is being towards God, he continues to be merciful. He continues to be compassionate. He continues to be slowly but surely coming to Jonah and saying, do you do well to be angry? What's going on in your heart? What's going on in your world? Let me, let me bring this plant to bring you some shade. Let me, let me teach you some things in this fish. Look at verse 2. God, Jonah knows what God is going to do. He says, I know you. He says, I knew you were a God gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, relenting of disaster. Jonah understands this and he's still mad at God and God still comes to him and says, yeah, Do you do well to be angry? Like totally non-anxious, so emotionally present with God. He's a good father. 
And in this book, Jonah represents the in crowd. He represents he is an Israelite. He's a prophet. He's supposed to be the one who's close to God. He's supposed to be a part of God's people. He's supposed to be a moral person. He is and he represents people who walk with God. This would be the good Christians in our day, many of us who are here today. We expect God to be compassionate to that kind of person, maybe. Even at their worst, even at their worst, we think, eh, they're his. We expect him to be compassionate towards them. Just kind of like at, even at my worst, even at Phoebe's worst, we're like, eh, he's going to be compassionate to his daughter. But some other brat, maybe Jonathan's not going to be as compassionate, right? But what the book, the, the book of Jonah tells us is that God is just as compassionate to the them as he is to the us. Look at this. First we see how compassionate he is with the sailors. The sailors on the storm. The sailors are not Israelites. They don't worship God rightly. Even when they start to follow God, you can see in the text, they don't do it right. And yet God is still compassionate towards them. And in fact, it tells us in verse 116 that it uses language. It says they feared the Lord, which is Old Testament speak for they had faith. Were they Christians? We don't know. But we have textual evidence to say that God's had saving compassion on these men. But that's not all. Nineveh is the chief recipient of God's undeserved compassion. Nineveh is Israel's enemy. Over and over again in the rest of the minor prophets, there's one group of people, one city, that gets the most of God's anger, Nineveh. The whole book of Nahum is about God's wrath towards Nineveh down the line. Like, this is a place that deserves anger and wrath. And yet, what is it? What happens here? We see here that Nineveh is a morally backward society. In chapter 4, it says they don't know their right hand from their left, which is another way of saying they don't know right from wrong, and they certainly don't know where right from wrong comes from, the God of the Bible. And yet, what does the text say? Verse 310, when God saw what they did, how they had turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he would do to them, and he would not do it. God is compassionate towards a whole city. The text tells it's 120,000 people, which was a big city back then. It's about the size of like New York City today. Millions of people for us. He, wrote to, he, does, he, he has mercy on a whole city even when they do nothing to deserve it and everything to not deserve it. And, and, and they, when they repent of their sin, God re- relents of the disaster. And this makes Jonah so mad because he says, I'm, the, I'm on the inn, I'm, I'm, I'm an Israelite, I'm a prophet, and you're going to have mercy on people who don't deserve it at all? What's up with that? Verse 2, he hurls God's character in his face and says, I knew you would do this. I know what you're like. You're a gracious and compassionate God. They don't deserve this grace and compassion. And what do we see here? Well, God is compassionate to the them, to the people who don't deserve it, to the people who say they cannot possibly be on the inside. They can't be moral. They can't be religious. They can't follow God. God says, I'm going to be compassionate to them. And our world is so quickly dividing into the us and the them, right? Progressives and conservatives, Democrats and Republicans, White, black, rich, poor, religious, irreligious. And here's the reality. We were all born and raised into an us crowd and a them crowd. doesn't matter where you come from. There's always an us, my people, my group, my family, and a them, those people. Other side of the tracks. That neighborhood. It doesn't matter where. We all do that. 
Our society, our families, our media, everything inculcates, teaches us to have the us and the them. And it's very easy for us who are religious to baptize this view, to come up with theological reasons for the us and the them. It's very easy. Just look at church history, if anything. Christians have been some of the best at doing the us versus them move. And, just, and Jonah, this book, shows us that God is far less interested in the us-them than we are. And is far more interested in showing compassion to the them who don't deserve it. And that brings us to the second point. When God does that, when God has that mercy on the them, it offends the us. Because we say, uh-uh, that's not how it's supposed to work. Some of you have been coming to our, the study on Fridays we're doing on Reformed Theology. You know, we're doing Reformed Theology is the Reformed in Reformed University Fellowship. And one of the features of, of Reformed Theology is that God's compassion is totally free. It's completely undeserved. It's a free gift. Nineveh did nothing to deserve God sending Jonah to them. and They did everything to not deserve it. And yet... 310, God relents of the disaster and does not do it. And that offends Jonah. It offends the us. He says, I've been a lifelong follower. And look, I knew you would do this. I knew that you were like this. And I'm mad that you're going to have mercy unto them. And so as we study the compassion of God, it starts to orient us again to start looking into our own hearts. To cycle back to, whoa, who am I? in the presence of this kind of compassionate God who has reckless, undeserved compassion. The first reflection movement in Jonah asks us to consider the compassion of God. God is compassionate over and over and over again to people who don't deserve it. Jonah, who is stubborn, childish, prideful, largely unrepentant, bigoted, and even a racist. He's merciful on the sailors and the Ninevites who are ignorant and immoral. That's the compassionate God. And I can't explain him. That's just who he is in the Bible. And God is compassionate to me and to you when we don't deserve it. It is impossible to read Jonah well and not come away with the overall impression that God is a God of mercy, slow anger, abounding grace. That's just who he is in this book. And again, this causes us to reflect back on ourselves and to recognize, oof, We're all Jonah's on a level. (laughs) Every single one of us in some small way is doing what Jonah does towards God and towards others. That we're all Jonah's sometimes. If if, If God is shown as merciful and compassionate, then Jonah is shown as this book as stubbornly prideful and pridefully uncompassionate. First, he's stubbornly, he's pridefully stubborn. He refuses to obey God. Every step of this, Jonah goes along kicking and screaming. No, I'm not going. Fine, I'll go. Ugh, they repented. You're the worst. I'm going to go sit up here and burn and die. That's Jonah's dialogue through this whole story. That's all he does is complain and rant against God and be exclusive and racist. The text is almost ironic and funny how much Jonah is displayed as a complaining, pouty baby. He's angry. He's so angry in verse 3 that he says, I want to die. It's better for me to die. He looks at God's compassion and says, I don't want this. I'd rather be dead than be in the presence of this kind of undeserved grace. 
He, he, is, he cares nothing for God's redeeming plan. He only wants his way. He wants his political agenda. Nineveh could get destroyed. That'd be great for my people. And he only wants his comfort. I just want my shade plant back. And second, Jonah is pridefully uncompassionate. He does not care about Nineveh all. In fact, he wants Nineveh destroyed. So the abounding compassion of God is contrasted with Jonah's total lack of compassion. Just total lack of compassion. And all of this is driven by his pride. And as I reflect on that, I think, like, how often am I like that? How often are you like that? How often are we caught up in our own agenda, our own comfort, that we refuse to obey God and we refuse to reflect his compassion? When we ponder the total of compassion of God, we begin to recognize our own failures of compassion for the us and for the them. How we alienate the them. How we pout when the them is protected and saved when we, when we rage against God. That there will be times in your life when you are more like Jonah than you realize in pride, in stubbornness, in pouting, in complaining, in exclusive thoughts. And if I can be so bold... Most of the people in this room are more like Jonah than the Ninevites. And that there is probably somebody in your life that you are like Jonah with. I know there are those people in my life. God help me. That someone you have excluded and reserved the right to exclude compassion to. Jonah asks us to ask ourselves, who is that and why? And do I see the compassion of God towards me? And how can I be exclusive and uncompassionate towards them when God is so inclusive and compassionate towards me. Second, we're also like the Ninevites. From the Bible's perspective, from the perspective of God, each one of us is the them. We are all the them. That is, we are immoral, hostile towards God, ignorant, deserving his judgment, his wrath. To God, we are the ultimate them. And yet God, in his mercy and compassion, most perfectly like Jesus, who was like Jonah, Jesus is like Jonah, he comes into Nineveh and says, repent and follow me, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He comes into Nineveh, that is our world, and he brings repentance and good news of himself. But he's unlike Jonah because Jonah did it begrudgingly with anger. Jesus did it joyfully, knowing that no, Nineveh would not repent. And Nineveh repents of when Jonah speaks. Jesus knows that Nineveh is going to kill him. He goes to a people who says, repent and follow me, and they kill him. And he says, worth it. We are all the them of Nineveh, and Jesus still comes joyfully in love and compassion towards people like you and me, not knowing our right from our left, not seeking God theologically and morally far from God. Jonah shows us how unlike God we we are. We are not naturally kind or compassionate, and God is compassionate, kind, and gracious. And that's, that's best seen in Jesus. So the last movement here, the last movement as we sit and cycle in these things is to ask yourself this question. Is my heart moved and motivated by the compassion of God? Am I seeing the compassion of God at work in the Bible? And is what, how, does that, how does that affect me? Does it move and motivate my heart? 
I hope that you see that Jonah asks us to first consider God and his character and then to look at ourselves and see there's a big gap here. What do we do with that? Well, first we acknowledge it. We say, God, I'm more like Jonah than I realized. I'm more cynical. I'm more bitter. I'm more judgmental. I'm more stubborn. I'm more proud. I'm more exclusive of them. And Lord, I need you to forgive me. Forgive me. I need you to start fixing me. Start making me more like you, more like Jesus. That's what the Ninevites do. They turned from their evil way, verse 10 says. They turned from their evil way. The Bible calls this prayer thought turning repentance, which is turning from our Jonah proclivity and turning towards God, like Nineveh, like the sailors. And this is not something that we just do once and we're done with. It is a constant life pattern that we all build into our our life of faith there's a reason why old christians have said the christian life is repentance constantly turning from our sin and turning to god is uncovering in some ways you could say being a christian is uncovering the deeper layers of your inner jonah the deepest layers of your inner jonah for example one of the main sins of jonah is his anger He is exceedingly and very angry, so angry that he wants to die. I'd never thought of myself as an angry person, just haven't haven't struggled with anger until I became a dad. (laughs) And then let me tell you, in the last three years, my daughter's about to turn three, I've uncovered layers of anger that I'm like, I had no idea this was in there. I always just used to say like, oh, I get depressed, I don't get angry. And now I'm learning they're actually flip sides of the same coin. And I am, a, I am incapable of deep anger. So for me, following God is taking a new turn, one in turning from anger at my daughter to compassion for my daughter, even when she doesn't want to put on her snow boots. Because you know what? God doesn't turn towards me in anger. He turns towards me in compassion. That's where this is working out in my life. Another one, race. One of Jonah's main sins is racism. For Jonah, he thought the Israelites are the superior race. He says, we're God. We're the special ones. We're God's chosen people. And God's mercy teaches him that God is, in fact, the God of all nations, even the dirty Ninevites. And we live in a world where there is us, them, driven along race lines, even in New Mexico. Maybe not white, black, but it's there. There is that same racial us, them movement. And Jonah probably didn't think of himself as a racist until God said, go preach to them. And he goes, no, I'm going that way. Which means, which means you and I are probably driven by racial us-them movements than we realize in our own hearts. I'm not saying this because I'm woke or critical race theory. I'm saying this because it's a movement of Jonah. It's a movement of the Bible. Jonah is forcing us to do two things, to recognize that we are less compassionate than we thought and that God is more compassionate than we thought. That's what Jonah teaches us, that we are less compassionate than we thought and God is more compassionate than we thought. And nothing shows us that more clearly than Jesus, who dies for sinners who are worse than they thought, showing us compassion that is far greater than we could ever imagine. My daughter is memorizing Romans 5, Christ demonstrates his love, his compassion towards us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ shows us the perfect act of compassion, hanging on the cross, 
killed by the them, the Roman soldiers saying, Father, forgive them. His version of the Ninevites, he's saying, Father, forgive them. Jonah here asks you and me to examine ourselves, to recognize our uncompassion, to repent of it, and then to enjoy, worship, meditate on, be motivated by the perfect compassion of God. Let me pray first. Father in heaven, I pray that as we um, reflect on this book, that you would indeed motivate us by your perfect compassion, shape us into people who are shaped by Christ's mercy and compassion. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.